Welcome to Making Bank, the show for Bankless DAO by Bankless DAO, where each week we highlight a project and a personality from inside the Bankless DAO. We want to showcase the work that we do and the people who do it. This is our story as we journey to become more bankless. If you want to learn more about what it is that we do, then just keep listening. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Making Bank. Hi, I'm Drost, and welcome to another episode of Making Bank. Today's guest is Alan Bryce, known by many or most online as Liquidiate. Alan is a man of many talents. He's a voiceover artist, audio engineer, photographer, video editor, occasional English teacher, and a father of two. I do want to make a quick note. I have three kids. But three three, don't kids. tell my third one. Yeah. Oh my, I'm going to have to record, re-record this. I don't know why I thought you had two kids. I have two that are very close together and then a third one that just showed up out of nowhere. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> just on my doorstep. Where'd you come from? Showed up on the doorstep. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do it again. Today's guest is Alan Bryce, known by many or most online as Liquidiate. Alan is a man of many talents. He's a voiceover artist, audio engineer, photographer, video editor, occasional English teacher, and a father of three. In Web3, he's using his talents working on media projects at Bankless DAO, as well as several spin-offs like The Rug, a Web3 satire publication, and its sister podcast, Under the Rug. He's also got a few personal projects brewing. It's a fun episode with a good friend. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And with that, welcome Alan Bryce or Liquidiate to Making Bank. Hey, how's it going? So I was curious. We both been with Bankless DAO since about the beginning. Didn't you join the, the Genesis back in May 2021? I did. I actually looked into this because Discord recently started letting you check when you joined a server. So it says when you joined Discord and when you joined a server. And I joined in May, May 5th, I think it was. Yeah, that was the day. Yeah, right in the beginning. Sure, yeah. I was kind of reserved. I, I got the airdrop and I found out about the Discord. And then I was like, well, I'm going to check this out. I had a story, like we got that airdrop and I told a friend and I were, because when I first got into crypto, I was looking at more like being a trader, which was a mistake. Uh, I knew vaguely about the technology, but I thought, oh man, this would be an easy way for me to do something that I could kind of get my head around and try to make some money. So we were trying to chart and kind of wade our way through that and make some quick turnarounds. And I had been listening to the Bankless HQ podcast and it was I think it was April. It might have been April. Literally, I said, well, you know, I've gotten a lot of value from this podcast. $22 is a is a big ask, but for what I've gotten in return, I think it's worth it. So why not? I'll just subscribe, get the premium content, and just see how it goes. And like a week later, they did the actual airdrop of the Bankless DAO token. So I just snuck in there because it was only to people who had been premium subscribers. So I got that airdrop of the 35 or what? I think it was more than that for some various reasons. And it was like, at the time, it was like five grand or something. And my friend said, you should sell it. Yeah, yeah it was a couple grand. Yeah, you should sell it. I was like, yeah, you know, I, they're going to do something with this. I'm just going to, I'm going to ride this wave and see what happens. And then sure enough, the DAO opened up and those of us that had the prerequisite amount got to be level ones and I joined up and I was just kind of hiding in the corner for about the first month, I would say. You and I both hid in the corner for a while. Yeah. Well, you were, you were much more out there than I was because you 
became uh, level two quite quickly uh, when that was all happening. And then I kind of looked up to you. And I remember when I first got started. In the that was AA, a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> that was your first mistake. When I was trying to get more involved in the AV Guild, I approached you from memory to start doing the POAP distribution for you. It all I- starts with POAPs. Yeah, that's how, that's how I got involved, issuing POAPs. That was my gateway drug, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to take some of that work off your plate. Appreciate that. Yeah, so that's kind of how I got my start. I, I started joining in some conversation, trying to add my opinion, but not be overbearing on what was happening because I have a tendency to do that. So yeah, it was a slow start, but I was there in May along with the, the small handful of us, I guess, and it's just really blossomed from there, so to speak. You and I had been doing killed coordination stuff, treasury, trying to onboard new contributors, things like that. And then we both got involved in other projects. And- yeah. That's when we were all kind of in starting, trying to figure out structure. There was a lot happening around guild and project organization. And initially, there wasn't really much in the way of guilds. I mean, there was some at the very beginning, but it was all very much just nebulous. us just kind of floating around. And then we started to kind of develop our own structures. And uh, the AV guild was very much growing alongside the design guild because they had a lot in common. And over a period of that time, there was like a lot of talks of whether those should be one or two separate things. Initially, I was involved in a lot of the roles and kind of structuring of the guilds. Might have completed that bingo card. I'm not sure because I was a guild coordinator. I was involved in treasury at one point. I was other roles did we have? Because <laughs> there wasn't a lot of us at the beginning. I think between you and me, we kind yeah, of rotated. We were bouncing around between them from season <laughs> to season. And uh, some of them carried over from, oh, talent coordinator. I did that. Um, that was kind of one of the last roles I did that I really honed in on. We're sharing roles. Uh, there was a, a time when three of us were kind of doing the secretarial role, just sharing that and getting ready to kind of hand that off. And I was also involved in the genesis of the podcast hatchery at that time, because obviously the AV is involved in in podcasts and a lot of those people were the same faces. Uh, yourself as well, wanting to get involved in that. I was involved, again, in Bankless Academy because there was some AV work needed there, as you know. At the time, it was very much like we were putting together a skeleton of what that project would eventually be. I mean, it was all, again, very much like experimental phase. A lot of these projects, it's like, we know we want to do something. We know this is the theme. We're just not quite sure how to get there. So let's just start making stuff and going from there. Yeah, my my main involvement was the AV Guild, the podcast entry, and to a smaller extent, Bankless Academy from the very beginning. But I, I really was mostly in the AV Guild. Yeah, and then you, you started gravitating to, to other projects. Was the rug one of the first things that came out of that? The rug was one of the first things, I guess, projects I was in at that time. So it was very hard for me to kind of have the bandwidth to commit to projects. But then I kind of slowly focused in on a particular role in the AV Guild. And then the way our governance was set up at that time, uh, you could only have a role, I think, three consecutive seasons, I think it was. I did talent coordinator for three seasons, and I figured this would be a good time to pursue other projects. And I was doing the rug at that time as well. Um, But we were growing over there at that same time, and we kind of set birth from the port and became our full-fledged separate project. Ooh, again, it was another experiment. We were just making stuff in, in within a single channel in the DAO. And then like, this is picking up some steam. We need to spread our wings a bit. And we ended up in our own server. 
you know, it's funny because you and I worked together a lot in Navy Guild before, and, yep. and I had no idea how involved you were with the rug. I mean, you were like core there. You produced Under the Rug. Um, yeah. And I know that's one of your main projects. I got into that by chance when it was still called Top Signal Satire Site. I don't know if anybody remembers oh, yeah, that. Top Signal. And I had a couple of joke ideas just with stuff that was happening. It's like, I'll just pop in here and say a couple of things. And I made a couple of jokes. And then there's a there's only like a handful of people at that time. Like, oh, you should join. And that's when we kind of started the rug. And then we had maybe 12, 13, 14 people. And we produced that first NFT, which was amazing. I loved what we did. MW was involved, right? Yeah, yeah. He was one of the head oh, people geez. originally. Yeah. So he was kind of core to starting that up. Um, it was him and Frank America and Perchy and a handful of other people at the beginning. Okay. So yeah, we produced that NFT. It was fantastic. I liked the newspaper style of it. And then we did a series of that. And along the line, we're like, we're kind of wanting to move this into a more serious direction. So then we kind of started our server and, and I was involved in setting that up. So yeah, I, I guess I am one of the core members. There's a couple of us that kind of keep the wheels turning over there on the daily and then, of course, one of the other projects I started two seasons ago, too, was the recap video series, which I do weekly and put up on YouTube with the assistance of a few others, yourself included. Uh, between the rug and the weekly roll of recap video series, those have kind of been my main points of focus within the DAO space, aside from like personal projects. So, now, I'd like to just clarify when you say serious, you don't mean being serious. You mean operating seriously with the Discord server and admin and things like that. Yeah. We, we needed more. We, You're still funny. Yeah. We, yeah. One channel wasn't Thank enough goodness. for all of the laughs that we had. So we had, to, we had to bust out into our own server. Just we had a little more space to work. Um, it's been going great over there. We're producing a lot more now. Uh, you mentioned Under the, Under the Rug, which is a podcast we do monthly which is kind of behind the scenes about our writing and our jokes and that kind of stuff. So we have a, a small stable of writers and designers and a couple of hype people. And we mainly operate out of Twitter. We mint articles on Mirror, uh, on Optimism for about the price of a cup of coffee. We do our newsletter. We're starting up NFTs again. So we're putting out a lot of content there. And I love comedy. Like I mentioned earlier, I was kind of the class clown. I'm a smart ass. Ask my wife. I'm sarcastic, which is to my detriment most of the time. I was in the principal's office quite often. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, so it really clicked, like like the voiceover and, and the comedy thing. So that's kind of where I put my focus. And, and the rug is probably one of the most fun things I do in the space because a lot of the things that happen are just completely absurd. And, you know, we're there to be able to to kind of, you have to be able to laugh. It's medicine. Yes. Yeah. I, you have to be able to laugh at yourself and how ridiculous stuff is and what you're doing because, you know, it's it's much needed. And I hope everybody enjoys what we're doing over there. And it is needed. We're not trying to laugh at people. We're, we're trying to laugh with people because there's, there's just so much funny in the world and particularly in this space. And since it's such a, a nascent or like young thing, it's growing up and we're kind of growing up with it. And there's a lot of comedy to be had within that. So it's a lot of fun. No, some of these jokes write themselves. Are you kidding? Yeah, we don't even have to do anything. We just have to <laughs> put up a picture and it's already there. <laughs> One of the first things that popped into my head with SBF when the whole thing blew up was 
God, this guy's going to prison and, you know, that bank man's going to be fried. I mean, yeah. it just writes itself. Yeah, yeah. We had a couple of good jokes about he had his get out of jail free card from his Monopoly set, which is pretty funny. <laughs> he got arrested because he forgot his bribe payments. He, he missed the deadline on bribes, so they brought him in for that. Yeah, just with, with him, the culmination of this, with what happened previously with Three Hours Capital and the Terra thing, it's just like, man, yeah. this is just compounding comedy gains, I guess. This is, oh. it's almost getting like, okay, we need to have something else to make fun of. I know, just I so know. much happening with this one thing. It's unfortunate because it's already got yeah, bad all, press. In our writer's room, we're like, oh, okay, are we going to stop writing about SBF? I'm getting tired of it. It's like, well, it's, it's hilarious and absurd stuff going to stop happening anytime soon because if not, we're just going to keep, keep writing about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. If it's uh, funny, it's money, I guess. If it's I think funny, what, it's money. I think that's what Frank, I stole that from him. But that's a good one. You got to follow the narrative. And if that's where the narrative's at, we got to be there to capitalize on the comedy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Comedy is not easy and it's not pretty. Yes, it is not. It is not. But it, I enjoy it. I fall out on my face several times, but yeah. For the weekly roll-up that you just mentioned, that ends up being about mm -hmm. an eight to 10 minute thereabouts summary uh, every week video mm -hmm. summary with graphics brought in and that week's mm -hmm. current events and it's scripted and uh, a lot of visuals and i was just i wanted to get the people a sense of what it takes to put something like that together how much time does it take you to put together an eight minute video summary every week yeah. <laughs> all right i'm just gonna disclaimer i'm not the most proficient video editor i mean i have some skills neither am i uh, those aren't like the most professional of things but i don't feel they're intended to be. I'm kind of recapping a newsletter that's already out there. I'm not necessarily selling a product per se. So just disclaimer, FYI, for any of those of you who have seen that. The newsletter team puts together the weekly roll-up, which is a fantastic newsletter, and it kind of sums up the week in the Dow. And then I kind of saw an opportunity, a few others saw it too, to kind of turn that into kind of like a bite-sized video format type of thing, trying to stay like sub 10 minutes and just summarizing that newsletter uh, to kind of expand the reach of it and offer a different uh, medium to experience that content. The video series always kind of points back to the roll-up because if you want the full stories, all the hot action and hot takes, you you really need to check out the, the newsletter. But this is just a way to kind of dip your toes and have some fun and see what the Dow's up to in just a short form video. So yeah, the small team, it's Winverse and I and yourself, you are my my quality control person, uh, making sure that I cross my T's and dot my I's <laughs> at the end of the day. And uh, Winverse- I usually catch it a little late. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is the, the nature of working in completely different time zones, but we're, <laughs> we're doing the best we can. Right. Uh, Winverse kind of does the scripting. He takes the newsletter and condenses it into a script for myself uh, and also handles some of the YouTube descriptions. Um, I take the script that he provides and I add my own script changes, usually very minor, um, tend to change things a little bit to how I would speak them versus how it's written and add, I guess, inject in some of my own comedy. <laughs> Not always, but sometimes, yeah. Uh, so I take that script and then I have to kind of break it into chunks that would make sense for the video just for my own purposes. So these videos, although they're short, they're about two days to make. So the first day... I'm going over the script, reviewing it, making notes, changes, putting in my own personal kind of 
sections, timestamps, if you will, pulling assets from various locations based on what's in the newsletter, recording screen caps, working on any new transitions that I might want to put in there, basically getting all the pieces together for the actual video itself um, before I start recording. Um, then the next day, the following day, because that usually takes most of a day to get through all of that stuff. The next day I record, usually in the mornings, and then I spend the entire day editing. <laughs> and I, I will start a, a, around, this is probably boring, but I'll start around eight or nine in the morning, uh-huh. uh, usually after my kids are in school. And then I'm not done until five or six that night. It's a full day, maybe seven. Wow. I remember the first couple of videos we were doing, uh, we had a lot of technical issues, a lot of audio sync problems because of how I was recording. And it's like- oh, that's right. Yeah. And I was like, I would upload it. It's like, no, you're like, this is out of sync. I was like, oh my God. So I do it again. And it was like, I think the first video, first two or three videos, it was like 11 at 12 at night, midnight, one o'clock in the morning. It's like midnight, 1 a.m. for you. And I'm just getting up at yeah. 6 a.m. or something. <laughs> I'm like, like uh, Liquidity, you need, you've, your audio is out of sync. And you're like, oh no. I know. <laughs> but I was like, I committed to getting these out on a certain day. And I wanted to hold myself to that because I didn't want to let it slip once because then it would start slipping more. So I've been pretty diligent in getting those out with your help. But yeah, first couple of videos took forever. I'm kind of locked in a flow a little bit. But even so, even on a good day, I'm still, just for an eight-minute video, it's at least a day and a half. Working days, I guess, would be a, a good way to say it. Anybody who edits video or, or is in that world kind of knows what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, uh, I'm nodding and I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. That is still relatively short. And if I increase the production value even a smidge higher, <laughs> you're, you're adding just keeps more time. And that hours, yes. Yeah, that adds right. up. I mean, you see a finished product, people take for granted what a finished product looks like. And you're like, oh, that's, you, that's easy. But when you're actually in there turning the dials, you quickly realize, like, oh man, this takes a lot of time. Unless you're just like recording a phone video and just doing some simple cuts and posting it to your, feed like anytime you try to do deliberate editing it takes a right. lot of time i i wanted to go through that because i think i think sometimes people oversimplify if they haven't done it themselves and mm-hmm. and all the demos look like everything's so easy you know a couple of clicks and boom you're done and especially with all the the breathless talk around uh ai right now it's like oh come on it, these things don't just pop out automatically and look great and sound great and are edited properly and all of that <laughs> and it takes a lot of time. So those are projects that are really related to Bankless DAO, DAO space. So the rug spun out from Bankless DAO and it is funded by, by Bankless DAO as is under the rug, as is the mm-hmm. weekly roll up. And, but then you've also got a number of personal projects that you're working on. And, um, I've seen some of your writing on, is it on paragraph? And I also saw that I did not know you play guitar. Oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I sold my guitar a couple weeks ago. I think I wrote about, did I write about that? No, two or three weeks ago, I sold my guitar. Just after saying that, I had an acoustic guitar. Um, yeah, I I purchased a guitar in the first couple of years I was here. I'm really into acoustic guitar music. I like I like when they take rock and do the acoustic sets. One of my favorite albums of all time is um, the Nirvana MTV yes. Live set. It's fantastic. I just love that. That is classic. Uh, it was an unplugged series. Yeah, I, I listen to that at least once a month. I'm on that album. It's it's phenomenal. But I always like that vibe, that kind of stripped down, kind of deconstructed 
you know, just a few guitars and, and maybe some percussion. Um, so yeah, I bought an acoustic guitar. I was writing a lot. I wrote like 50 songs or something, most of them incomplete. Um, I had a bunch of recordings. And I think what maybe you're alluding to is I minted an NFT recording of mm -hmm. one of my early songs. Free mint? Uh, yeah, free mint. I was like, because I needed to test, I wanted to test out this, because there's so many minting platforms. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to yeah, go right. um, I, I, until I try these out. So I minted that song on Highlight. And there was a pretty big issue with it populating the metadata correctly. And I contacted them. We got all sorted out. But I was glad that I went through that process. So yeah, I have a, a song up there. There's only 25 available. I think only five have been minted. Um, but that's a free mint. It's it's not timed or anything. So if you know where to find that, you can pick it up. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's not good, it. but it's not horrible. <laughs> right. it's, it's not. I was never... I'm not a good singer, um, but liked to learn how to play guitar. And I was like, well, I need vocals. Nobody else is going to sing for me, so I should do this. I liked songwriting. I liked writing lyrics, um, but I was never, uh, I'm a horrible singer. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Another disclaimer. You know, it's not mm -hmm. great, but it's not bad. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, the guitar playing was fun. Yeah, and it was, that sounded it was nice. fun. And, it, and your voice was And fun. then like within... With an NFT, making an NFT, I know it's not like great and I'm not like out here trying to sell my musical talent, but it's like I was able to take this thing that I, you know, I put a fair amount of work into at that point in time when I recorded it and I minted it as an NFT. So here's like a permanent record of this thing that I did on the blockchain. And I think that's really cool. Um, I may, you know, lose the hard drive that it was recorded to, but then it's always there as that NFT on Polygon that I can go back and revisit and say, yeah, you probably shouldn't have recorded that and put that out there, but <laughs> there it is kind of thing. <laughs> so a timestamp of my life, put it that way. Yeah, there's a certain amount of comfort in being able to delete things. That, mm -hmm. But no, I, I like that you put your work on But also that. like having a, a record of it, yeah. That yeah. you actually did it, yeah, yeah. No, so that's that's a cool thing. I I like to bring up stuff like that because it is, you know, as you mentioned, there's all these these NFT platforms and you know, mm -hmm. no code tools and stuff. And, and yes, oh my gosh, I've been looking at Zora. I've been on Foundation. I've been on Manifold. Mm -hmm. I've been looking into OpenSea's native tools. Uh, I've been on Highlight. I've been looking at Mirror. There's like all of these platforms serving the same purpose. And then I'm like thinking, well, this is the type of mint I want to do. This is how I want it to roll out. This is what I want to provide. Do I want to airdrop? Do I want to sell? Do I want to do an auction? There's so much stuff going on. And then also it's not like the stakes are free. You're, you're getting yeah. charged each time you experiment. I mean, I guess you can do the test net stuff. Fair enough. And I have done that. But at the same time, like if you want to put this out there for actual people to consume or possibly purchase or, or trade or or have available or just even token gating a community which is what i'm working on right now you're gonna have to put up a, at least a little bit of gas you know where does pink sink come from what's the, what's the origin of that name <laughs> okay all right um first i want to back up just a tiny bit you said i am involved in a number of personal projects i would say i'm involved in like one or two personal projects with a a hell of a lot going on at the same time kind of thing. Okay. so it looks like i'm involved in many projects but so. yeah on, on your personal projects between photography and and deliver your content on a web3 platform and learn how to build that yourself and man i don't know how you find time to do all that when you have three kids and yeah that's the other piece right there so 
uh, pink sink. I guess this will be. Does your wife see you ever? Just do you like go out and wave to her uh, once? We in a while? both work from home, so she <laughs> sees me a lot. Her office is right around the corner. Usually, it's me yelling out the door at her. It's hey, honey, you want to go get a coffee and take a break? She's like, yeah, let's do that. She doesn't sound like that, by the way. It's a much more beautiful voice, but that's my <laughs> that's <laughs> your version of her. Yeah, so oh, it's weird. We see each other a lot, but we don't see each other. <laughs> that makes right. sense. And then it's like five o'clock, and it's like, well, our kids start rolling home around three, and we got to pick up the young one at five. Anyway. Uh, Pink Sink, yes. Um, people have asked me about that name. I was going to to do a blog post about that, and I still will, but I guess I can give a little bit of alpha for our listeners here. There's like two things happening at the same time. I'm very involved in Web3, and I love what's happening here, and it's just a, a fantastic experiment. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of stuff happening. Uh, but at the same time, I'm trying to kind of sort through my own life still, you know, as... <laughs> middle-aged dude still trying to <laughs> figure out which direction his ship is pointed. Um, but there's kind of like this need, maybe it's like my version of a midlife crisis, but it's like, I'm really wanting to simplify my, my life, focus in on what's important, be ruthless with the things that are not important and kind of remove those from my life. So it's like these two things are happening at the same time. And I'm very interested in where they can cross. And I've talked about this in other channels, like web three, stuff and blockchain is all like very the most web3 and blockchain cuz you're always hearing about very technical stuff or financial stuff or scams all this you know the conversations and all the building which is fantastic but it's like well how is this applicable to just average person wanting to live their life and you know we're starting to see some of the hints of that but it just hasn't really happened, like clicked. Um, it's very much like when I was growing up, like only a few people had access to what we would consider the World Wide Web now because of lack of hardware and dial-up connections and that kind of stuff. We're not talking about the internet. I'm talking about more of the World Wide Web kind of thing. But then there was this moment where it just kind of clicked or it just happened over time, but it felt like it was all at once, right? And then everybody just kind of was online. And you didn't think about it. It was just happening in the background. And I'm very curious to see where that's going to happen with blockchain. Blockchain in the background, as it were. So that's kind of what Pink Sync is. It's it's me trying to experiment with just improving my life and focusing on what's important, but also experimenting with various aspects of Web3. You know, uh, how can I integrate that to what I'm doing? And it's all very straightforward and rudimentary to a, a point, I guess, right now. Like I, I talked about like NFT getting a community, but I think it's about it's about identity and it's about ownership and it's about, you know, digital property rights. And I'm really curious to see where that goes. And I want to be there when it happens. So I'm trying to dip my toes as much as I can. So back to the name Pink Sink. There is a reason for that. Um, my house um, was a previously owned home. I did not buy it new, have it built in my kitchen, I have a pink sink. And the, when we were <laughs> touring the house, I was like, this has got to go. It's more of a salmon color, but salmon sink. Yeah, salmon sink doesn't have the, the nice ring to it. It doesn't rhyme. So I was like, I was like, look at my wife. I, was like, I can't, no, I can't do this. Like our cabinetry is red. The sink is pink. I was like, oh my gosh, my. this is just not, I'm not feeling this. No. But at, at some point it's like, well, you know, you can you can sit here and bitch about this sink or you can do something about it, right? <laughs> and the two things you can do about it is you could change it, get a new sink, or you could just move on with your life uh, and just 
keep going and doing you. So that's kind of what Pink Sync is. For how many years, I was like, you know, I should do this. I should change this about my life. I really want to pursue this thing. And I just, I just fucking bitched about it a lot to myself. And then, you know, sometimes out loud to other people. And I know some people in my life were like, just, they never said it to me, but they're like, you just, you got to stop doing, talking to me about this. I know every time we meet and we have a few beers, you talk about this, just do something. So that's kind of where mm-hmm. Pink Sync came from. It's kind of representative of, you know, put up or shut up, I guess, start doing something about it or just move on with your life. And then kind of doing both at the same time. I still have the sync but I'm not worrying about it <laughs> again uh, ties into like, I have these things I want to do. And instead of just talking about removing the sink, talking about the things, I'm actually going to do the things. And that's kind of what pink sink is. That's what it represents. Right. Well, I'm glad I asked. I never would have guessed that. That was a five minute explanation to, to a 10 second question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, but it's got a backstory, right? It does. Yeah. And pink sink is an art project and all art projects have to have a backstory. Yeah, it's my my origin story. One day, a man bought a house with a pink sink. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I like it. I'm wondering what the sequel will be. It's a Japanese movie title. It'll be Pink Sink The Revenge 2. Because <laughs> usually you have to put the number in the, the movie. <laughs> We've never really talked about this before. Obviously, you do really fun voiceovers. And... For me, it seems like you're more than a hobbyist. You're more of a professional. And then it's kind of like the difference between a photographer and a GWC or a guy with a camera. Uh-huh, yeah. Have you done that professionally? And is that, have you had some background there? Is it just a kind of a hobby you've been working on on the side? You know, maybe picking up a gig here and there. Specifically voiceover, because you're kind of known for that and voices you do. But right. I kind of want to talk about the other video stuff, too, because you're pretty skilled with that as well. I was kind of curious about that. Some people know this. Many do not. I am an only child. My parents both worked quite a bit. We owned a small grocery store growing up, mom and pop grocery store. I spent a lot of time there. But they were very busy during the week running a business and I had a lot of time alone. (laughs) So I used to do voices to entertain myself, I guess, just not even thinking about it, but just kind of naturally, uh, I gravitated towards that, having conversations with myself just out loud (laughs) and trying to play the different parts. We all have conversations with ourselves from time to time. And then I just got kind of known for, I was the class clown voted by my peers in high school, probably as part of that. I used voices and comedy as kind of a defense mechanism of sorts. In junior high school, I started to grow out more than I grew up. And that kind of had a lot of, that put me in an interesting spot as far as like, you know, being picked on and made fun of. So I used voices and comedy as a way to cope and a way to deflect and a way to take attention and redirect that. And that kind of turned into voiceover. So in college, I, I didn't do anything in college at all related to theatrics or theater or voice or anything like that. But after I graduated, I moved to Seattle and there's a lot of opportunity there. And even before that, I was in a, a smaller town called Spokane and I got into some theater stuff there. Uh, did a couple shows. I did a play that was like, I forget the name of it. It's not, it's a reading play where you're not like, there's not like scenes and you're not like dressed up. Everyone's just kind of in a line. And I forget the term for that but you're all just reading your lines in front of a, a, a crowd. It's very deconstructed and stripped down. 
I did a couple auditions. During that time, I was doing improv as well. I was with a couple of improv groups, mostly just doing like, I don't think I'd call it understudy, but they do like programs, right? Like three or six month programs. And I did one in Spokane with a group called Spoke Comedy, I think was the name of the team. And I did some improv there. We had a class and that was a ton of fun. And then when I moved to Seattle, I believe the group was called Jet City Improv because of the whole Boeing thing. They were called Jet City. So in addition to the voice acting and some of that other stuff, I was doing improv comedy. I never wanted to be a stand-up comic because that's, to be honest, that scares the shit out of me. I don't. I have a big fear of public speaking. But if I was kind of like part of like an improv group or somebody performing as a team, I always thought that would be interesting because I I also really, really, really from a very, not super young age, but I, I would say like junior high, high school, I thought like the coolest job in the world would be to be part of uh, Saturday Night Live, one of those hmm. players. I watched a lot of like Upright Citizens Brigade as well. Uh, a lot of those... Uh, Canadian <laughs> comedy groups were always very fun to me as well. I don't know. Maybe they have less stress. I don't know. <laughs> I could be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was kind of a big influence in my, in my life too. Around that time, I was watching a lot of, and I've mentioned this in other channels, I was getting into SNL kind of in the late 80s, early 90s, especially around the time of like Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, that kind of era that really had a big impact on me. And then almost immediately after that was kind of like the, the Will Ferrell era. And those were, yeah, very big points in my, in my, I guess my comedy youth (laughs) kind of influence and, and how I kind of present myself today. I had an agent, I did some background stuff on some films, but I never had any formal training um, until I moved to Seattle. And then I was like, I want to see what I can do. And I found an acting coach, specifically voice acting. He did both. He was fantastic. His name was James Coburn. And he had a nice space, a nice stage. And within that, he had a a vocal booth, an audio booth. So for two years while I was living in Seattle, every week on Thursday, I would go downtown near the Space Needle and study voiceover. He would give us some prompts and we'd each have our time in the booth, which I loved opening that door to that like whisper room, basically mm-hmm. just a closet fully padded. You had your, your light in there. You had your stand, your, like your music stand style to put your script up there. You had your headphones. He was on top. And like the control <laughs> this, booth or something. Yeah, this kind of huge construction like platform. He was like way up there because it was also used to produce the shows that they would do. And you just, you put on your, your cans and you were just in a different world. It, it was like, there was no camera there, but I was, I was on your camera. In it. I was in it. Yeah. And it was amazing. Just every week I look forward to, and there was a, there was a group of about eight of us in my class and we would all share booth time. And, and what, I'm sorry. This was after I finished university. Oh, right. I was on the five-year plan because I, I switched majors midway through. I did five-year plan too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't regret it. It was fun. This was probably uh, early twenties when this happened. Okay. So yeah, I, I studied voice acting for a couple of years there. Um, and then I was starting to look for work and I got a couple jobs. But around that same time, I decided to travel. And that's when I moved to Japan. Ah, and the rest is history. Kind of. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. We can go into more. Just, I guess, real quickly, I completely stopped any kind of voice acting and acting when I first moved here. 
I've been here for almost 17 years. In the middle, I got some, I was in some commercials. I sat on wow. a bus. <laughs> um, I was in a, a medical film. I did some textbook audio stuff, but I didn't really get into it. I was thinking about it, but the proposition of trying to find an agent in a different language was difficult for me. And then along came Bankless Dow, and I found an opportunity to kind of use those skills again. Okay. But also during that time, I had taken up photography. I was a semi, I guess you'd say semi-professional family photographer, children and family photographer. I was paid. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call myself professional, but I did paid work. And that's where a lot of my camera equipment came from. And it has been since repurposed for more video work. But I started out as a stills photographer I did that for like five or six years. Yeah. Okay. I, for whatever reason, I felt like I've seen some of your work and it, it seems to me that like you had been doing this for longer. Uh, which part? That's a compliment. <laughs> Thank photography. you. Oh, photography. Uh, yeah, I picked up photography in university. I had a, an SLR, a film camera, um, which was an interesting concept to a lot of people now. Like if you're old enough to remember film cameras, which a lot of us are, you know, you had your role, you had to pick your ISO and you had a set number of shots and you didn't know what you got until you got it developed. And it really, you know, taught me to take my time with framing and, and lining up a shot and thinking about, you know, the composition. And then I actually got a nice camera for my wife for one of our anniversaries, thinking that it was something that we could enjoy together. And then I ended up just kind of running away with it, so to speak, because I got really into it. She's like, yeah, this is all right. I was like, ah, oh, this is amazing. So I got super into it. I was trying to teach her about it. And that kind of taught me more about photography. And then I got, I started taking, like a lot of photographers, I started taking pictures. People are like, these are really good. Can you take pictures of me? And then I started doing some of that work. And then I got into like family photography. I guess all in all, I did that for about, uh, well, you know, I guess I've been doing it. I haven't stopped. I don't do paid work anymore because I'm quite busy with Dow stuff, but I I probably started taking photos seriously maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Cool. Cool. Now you take comedy seriously. Hey. Hey. We, yes. Yes. We take Talk money now, seriously as well. <laughs> and money. Yeah. So that's actually the line, not comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Blood. Damn it. See, it just proves it wasn't rehearsed got the line wrong there you go i'm sorry does that does that answer some of your i, I ramble and i talk too much no that's great i've been meaning to have that conversation with you anyway we just never get to it <laughs> yeah so I, i've managed to amass a fair amount of equipment through my photography work and then wanting to get back into my voice acting because i really love i love acting but i hate being on camera and some people might find that odd because i've started doing a video series for the dow recently but Part of that has been like me trying to conquer a fear of being in front of the camera because I, I love putting myself into a role or acting or being a different person, but I hate having the spotlight on me directly. And I don't know if that, maybe some people can click with that and that makes sense, but that's kind of how I feel. That's kind of what's directed me to what I'm doing now, I guess. More of a supporting character. Yeah, I tend to like being behind the camera, and that's why I got into to photography in the first place. <laughs> to photography, photography. That's a different. That's um, Ooh. that's for a different podcast. Sorry, I, didn't, yes, I got is. my it's notes confused here. Yeah, different platform, <laughs> different platform. Yeah, <laughs> different way, different way of life over there. So yeah, I didn't realize you were doing that just right before you got into Dow stuff. So yeah, Dow stuff. Yeah, you've really gotten 
plugged into a variety of things, and you probably avoided getting rugged by doing the rug. Mm-hmm. I found that a lot of the work I do at Bankless now, I've I was kind of lamenting a lot, or probably mid year, and actually actually it was in 2021 when everything was going up. And I missed all these opportunities because I was working. I'm like, damn, uh-huh. it, you know, if I wasn't doing all this work for the Dow, I, I would have caught this opportunity. Well, that opportunity was was a very sharp knife that was falling <laughs> or was going to fall. You missed catching it? Exactly. So, you know, sometimes life works out. <laughs> right. And so, you know, all the time I've spent with the Dow, and I don't regret any of it. I guess, yeah, to speak to that, I got in... Uh, like a lot of people that got in around that time, there's just so much happening all at once. And again, you didn't want to miss out. It's seriously that FOMO thing. There's economic opportunity to, at every corner. And just like, it was just so interesting as well. Like what's happening over here? What's happening over here? Uh, maybe I can help out. It was real easy to get yourself overextended, which is kind of what I did. I mean, you I and I were there. heavily involved in the AV Guild doing multiple roles at the same time because we just didn't have enough bodies. And, and then- getting involved in other guilds guilds and other projects. And it, it was, I don't regret any of it. And it was amazing. And I was glad I was able to help out where I could. But it's almost like after I established myself and kind of figured out what it was I wanted to do and where I could provide the most value, I started shedding a lot of those responsibilities or or those involvements just because it wasn't productive. Like if I wasn't able to devote myself more to that, I was preventing maybe somebody else from being able to do that instead of myself. Exactly. Uh-huh. I kind of felt that way myself. I mean, I had been guild coordinator in various roles for a few seasons, and I just felt like, geez, I shouldn't just keep putting my name up there because people vote for you because they recognize your name, even if whether you're doing a good job or not. I feel like I probably did a pretty decent job. I would agree with that, yeah. Thank you. Well, it's not fishing. Um, <laughs> you also want to try new things, too. Right. Neologo is the one that approached me. I think it was like, uh, late July of 2021, he said, hey, he DM'd me and said, hey, have you thought about being a guild coordinator, putting your, raising your hand for that? And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. not really. I don't. What do I know? And so, yeah, he kind of got me into that. I think, well, I think everybody probably has a similar story where there was one or two people that was kind of like the gateway for them to get really involved in a particular area. I mean, the the tendency is to join the DAO and then just get every single tag you possibly can. And I've seen people do that. They're part of every single project in Guild. And that's fine if you're trying to figure out where you want to go. But I would just say, be careful with that because it's it can be... That fire hose is no joke. <laughs> so right. when you can find where you fit in well, I would say just direct your focus towards that. That doesn't mean you can't do other things, but you really need to be deliberate with a lot of your actions. Otherwise, you know, we just kind of go in circles. And I think you do find somebody that's kind of like that, that role model or that crypto mentor or that shepherd that just says, Hey, you know, you seem like you'd be good at this thing, or you want to help me out over there. And then you just kind of, you find your place and you find your people. I mean, we're all our people in this space, but I think, you know what I mean, where you can kind of really direct your focus and really feel like, Oh, this is where I belong kind of thing. Yeah. One of the things that's always been hard for me to do is ask for help. Right. It's always been hard. But if people are willing to help, and um, like uh-huh. you had said, suggested too many things, and it was getting late in 2021, and I'm just like, I am spending so much time on this stuff, and I am not doing my best work, frankly. 
Uh-huh. And uh, I felt like I needed to shift a little bit. But sometimes you don't know what you don't know, or you sign up, or you want to say yes. Right. Because they need somebody to do it. Anyway, I don't know. I just thought you'd never know. And I don't regret anything. Sometimes you feel like you're spinning wheels, though, you know, projects that maybe you try to spin up and they don't go anywhere. But I feel like you learn stuff from it. You learn new ways of working together, which you thought you wanted to do. And maybe you don't enjoy that much or you suck at it and it's too hard to get good at it. Yeah. Well, I with some of the most valuable skills I learned, I guess, eventually <laughs> I had to come, o- come over that hill, but saying no. Saying no was hard for me at first. And then also saying, I don't know is very hard because I think humans have a tendency, especially when you're in positions where you're sharing or giving information that you don't want to appear to be a person who doesn't know what they're talking about. You try very hard to be an expert in areas, at least me in the past that I really am in over my head. So being able to say no when people ask for help, not in a rude way, but just upfront saying like, I do not have time for this. I would love to help you, but it's just going to be more trouble for you because I don't know if I can commit. So I'm just going to have to say, no, thank you very much for your consideration or asking me or seeking me out, but no, I can't do this right now. And then also like saying, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't have the answer. Somebody comes to you instead of just saying like, well, yeah, uh, yeah, I, you're sure, sure. You're like, like pretending that, you know, that's kind of like, I don't know. I don't want to, the big thing is I don't want to waste people's time. Everything comes down to time. That is the only resource if you think about it. Right. And I'm trying my best to not impose or waste other people's valuable, scarce resource that we're all right. kind of chasing, right? You can't know everything. And even if it's in your field, if you're a specialist, you still can't know everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's just too much stuff. No. <laughs> it's just too Anybody much. that tells you they are, you know they're lying. But we won't talk about SBF. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there there are no there are no experts. There's just people with a lot of knowledge and very strong opinions because you can't really know everything. I think I might have stolen that from Jordan Peterson. I don't know. <laughs> oh, what's the old phrase? If you can't something something bath them with bullshit. You can't Oh, I thought you were going to say if you can't beat them join them. <laughs> that, no, that's not. <laughs> but you know there's scammers in there's been scammers since the beginning of time. I just happen to have this extra TV in the back of my truck and gosh, I just need to get rid of it. <laughs> Would you mind? That's gotta be that's gotta be one of the most difficult, in my opinion, or anxiety inducing things about being part of the space of the Dow. It's it's trust, man. So if you can find people that you can trust and that you network and, and work with, that's probably one of the most valuable things you can have in this space. Cause even people you kind of know, there's just so many people and they're messaging you about stuff. And it's like, I have to be careful because I don't, I don't know. I don't know hundred percent who you are. That's probably what, yeah. One of the toughest things, letting yourself trust other people in the space, because like you said, there are a lot of scammers. The motivations for people can be different. I mean, we're all, we're all looking for money. I mean, the technology is great. It's fun being here. I like building stuff, but anybody who says they're not looking for some kind of economic incentive is kind of lying. Right. And then trying to figure out like what, what people's intentions are, what they really want here, what they're doing, what this link is. (laughs) Don't click on this link. Your life will be over kind of thing. It's intense. It's intense. Yeah. And then opportunity cost, right. And whether it's this space or anything else, I mean, 
this is something that I always have an issue with with the educational system is you're expected to make all these choices about uh, career path and then an, an educational track that takes you on uh-huh. that career path without ever having explored the career to see if you even like it. <laughs> you have no idea. You have no idea. I mean, I don't get that. That makes no sense to me. And then you get there and you're like, well, this, this sucks. Yeah. And you just spent 12 years of your life yes. learning everything about it. I was good at math and I was good at, and I liked computers. So they're like, you should be an electrical engineer or a computer engineer. I said, that sounds good. So I went to university to be an electrical engineer. I did a year and a half of that. It's like, I don't like differential equations. I don't like linear algebra. <laughs> I pass, but I don't like this. So I was, I got into fitness at the time, but that's why I switched majors. And became a dietitian, which is fun fact. Really? <laughs> yeah, wow. that's why I was on the five year program. But yeah, it's I I feel you. Like you just don't know. You don't ha- you haven't had those experiences. So asking you to make a decision at that point in time is just kind of ludicrous in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, finding your passion and then being able to make a living from it. Yes, I'm still I'm this still is, doing that. I'm still is, sorting it out. Like I love what I'm doing here and I love this space and being able to make these videos and have conversations like this with you, but I'm not done. Like I'm still on that path trying to figure out where I want to point the ship. I think it's like a never ending journey. And that's, that's what, that's what part of life is. It's the adventure of trying to find where your ship is sailing. Right. Some people are lucky. Maybe they find that very early, but yeah, for me, I'm still, I'm still on that journey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the waters have been rough recently, let me tell you. They sure have been. I got to say, I felt kind of stupid last year, kind of waving my arms around and saying, you know, be careful. <laughs> Is that how you did it? <laughs> Do you have a, a sandwich board? <laughs> you guys better no. be careful. There's going to be danger soon. You better watch your backs. You got to be destroyed by the markets. I don't know what that was. You're doing a Conan O'Brien, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Radio Tone News. See, I wish I, yeah, I wish I had his big fluffy hair to it. <laughs> oh, that pump! He's great. He's so funny. But no, I leveraged a number of years ago. I had, without getting into too many details, but I borrowed against a portfolio to do a real estate project, and uh-huh. then the market imploded, and I got a margin call from my broker, and they wanted a lot of money in forty-eight hours. Right, and they weren't joking. They don't jump. Yeah, this stuff's rough. I I was lucky. I didn't I didn't get any leverage positions or anything like that. I just lost a bunch when everything went down because I was trying to do yield farming. So it's like some here, some there, and now it's all like lost ninety nine percent of what it was. And I guess all right. I guess I don't have that yeah. anymore. I didn't get in a situation where I owed anybody money. I lost a bit in the the. Terra Luna thing just because I was invested in a protocol and part of their investment was Terra. It's like a stable okay. coin thing they were in. So I lost like 30% of that. But all in all, I, I would say like everybody's kind of down bad from that time into now, but I I never ended up in a position where I, I had to get liquidated or owe anybody. I still have those tokens. They're just worth yeah, <laughs> next right, to they're sick. <laughs> yeah. Collected dust, but yeah. I lesson learned. Like I, I came out of it not as bad as some people. And you know, I'm not we're not trying to make light of 
or, or no, it's terrible. Lessen the gravity of what happened. But for me now, it's just like it's hurt the industry. Yeah, I'm just watching ETH and Bitcoin to a lesser extent, and just keeping everything simple. I've cooled down on my NFTs <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> I amassed a lot of NFTs during that time. Not as much as some, but close to a hundred. I was like, how did I end up with all this stuff? Most of them, like people said, have gone to zero. A lot of them I bought because I enjoyed the way that they looked, even though they were kind of like profile picture type stuff. I don't regret any of that. It was a learning experience. A lot of the NFTs I still value very much just personally, but I've kind of cooled my jets on, again, same with Dow stuff, trying to be everywhere all the time because you hear about so much cool stuff. You're like, oh, I'm going to go over there and see what that's all about. Oh, I'm going to try to transfer something from this other thing just so I can put more into this thing. And it just becomes... Well, they don't even know where it is. Like a personal house of cards for me, basically. So, (laughs) Well, you talked about simplifying. You know, we were talking about, before we got started here, we were talking about simplifying our AV setup because everything get complicated. And you change one thing and suddenly it's not working the way it should based on what you thought the settings were. And now you've got an event you're doing and it's not working right. Right. It's like with anything else. And I'm finding, too, with some of the... Uh, the crypto stuff, it's in different wallets and different places, and I don't know my cost basis. <laughs> right. you know. Like, oh, I forgot I had funds over here. This, this thing, what, what was I doing? I had simplified things, and now it's gotten complicated. Anyway. That would, that would kind of be my, one of my biggest pieces of advice is try to, only as much as needed, find out what's enough, simplify, use what you got, and then work up from there slowly. And that's just like kind of a general thing. Like with the DAO, simplify what it is you're working on because you can't you can't focus, you can't produce good work if you're everywhere, trying to be everywhere all the time. You, there's there's like no such thing as multitasking. You're just switching from thing to thing. So, Context switching and you lose yeah. focus every time you do that. Try to simplify your investments, your involvement. Try to simplify the amount of things you're doing within the DAO. Try to simplify your setup. The, the end goal is just to make your day-to-day smoother, less to worry about, less to stress about, more time to focus on doing the actual work rather than spending all of your time doing admin on your life. Right. Because you're in so many different places, right? Yeah. Admin on your life. Yes. And feel free to ignore everything I just said. If you're listening, you're like, oh no, that's not going to, you're, that doesn't work for me. I, to each their own. This is just what I found. Simplify. It kind of brings us back and think about why you're here uh-huh. and it's easy to get distracted and then you watch things you watch that roller coaster wee, and then it comes back down the other end and a year later i mean it's literally if you look at a year and you see that chart uh-huh. it's like what did i do this year and so <laughs> yeah. if the it's chart all of my life. <laughs> based on that chart yeah you really don't have a whole lot to say for it but if what you're doing the chart is incidental and you're building, you know, we talk about building or you're doing what you love. So we talked before about when you first got into voice acting and you were in that, that sound treated room and it took you to another world. And right. now you're doing that in this space. You're, it's bringing you back to your passion. It takes exploring some different things and meeting new people, quite frankly, and vibing with, like Zim says, Anthony Zim Timo. Mm-hmm. We're bands, man. You got to find your band. Yeah, yeah um, there's got to be a certain amount of pain 
along the way. I, people don't want to hear that, but without pain, you can't have growth. The manifestation of that pain is different for everyone, but you kind of have to have that, solve those problems for yourself, your life, work through that pain for yourself. But this was kind of all part of it, I guess. You know, you spend all that time, all that money, and sometimes you don't know what you care about. You think you care about these other things. Mm -hmm. Uh And it takes a cycle or maybe two cycles to come back and go, yeah, no, I thought that was what I cared about, but I don't. Right. Well, very high level, this space, crypto, all this for me is, this is going to sound a little lame, but it's about um, freedom. (laughs) I said the F word. Yes, freedom. I think David Hoffman, I think I've heard him say this quote, crypto is not here to make you rich. It's here to set you free. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. I am wanting to have more freedom in my life that is to be able to pursue things I enjoy, provide value, be compensated for that, but not worry about it and not have to deal with the existing financial systems and having third parties and everybody with their finger in the pie. And that's kind of where the freedom comes with me. Mm -hmm. Self-sovereignty over my own financial destiny, taking my money with me and pursuing the things that I enjoy and then just not having to worry about it as much of the other stuff. I don't know if that kind of makes sense, but that's that's kind of like what it comes down to me. No, me. it makes total sense. And it's probably why you and I get along so well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of a secret. We don't care about the money that much. It's a tool. It's to live. And, yes. and you want to be able to do what you enjoy and not worry about. It's For me, it's stress relief. Money yeah. is relief of stress and then it allows me to buy time we go back to time time. money allows me to buy time to spend with the people i love and doing the things i love and that's kind of what it comes down to and i see crypto as a means to that end like a way i can accomplish that goal for myself i've told this to people nobody believes me like i could be airdropped a hundred million dollars tomorrow and i would still live a hundred thousand dollar lifestyle because after a certain point, I don't care because it just yeah. doesn't it doesn't interest me. And it does other people, and that's fine, but that's not what I'm pursuing. So yeah, it all goes back to that idea of, of time and how you want to spend it and who you want to yeah. spend it with and how you want to manage your life and your finances because it is important. But again, I see this as a way to help me do that and to be able to be mobile and have, again, control over my own financial future in a way, right? Yeah. Some of these events, as, as unpleasant as they are, bring mm. clarity. Right. Or they can bring clarity if it doesn't destroy you. Um, I know that sounds kind of ominous. Yeah, that goes back to that, that pain I was talking about. <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It really does. But, you know, we've all been through a lot these past few years. And What did you learn is the question you got to ask right. yourself when something goes bad. What can I take from this and how can I use that in the future to either, A, make that not happen again or have that situation be favorable for me in some way, you know? Yeah. So back to what you're working on. And um, I have to do, I have to go to the mountains in Shiga for an English camp. I re-recorded the first portion back in December and you were a bit stuffed up then. You were about ready to leave Mm -hmm. for an English camp in the mountains of Shiga. Shiga. The mountains of Shiga. Yes. With a nose full of marshmallows. I was trying to see how many I could stuff up there. That's why I sounded so fantastic in that section. (laughs) 
Well, you sound like you're feeling better today. And you had mentioned that when you moved to Japan, it was about 17 years ago. And, but you didn't mention anything about the English teaching other than the fact that you were going to an English camp. Were, are you a teacher? Were you a teacher? Or is that just something that you kind of picked up on the, on the side? Yeah, I guess I am a teacher, but I don't have any <laughs> formal background or training in teaching. Uh, a lot of people that come to Japan on the scene kind of know that that's kind of a, a way to work in the countries. You come over as a language instructor. And that's how I came over here initially. I was a dietitian in Seattle. I was a consulting dietitian, doing all the acting and the voice acting, all that kind of stuff in the background. I was working a full-time job for which I was hired for before I even graduated university. So I had a few job offers right out of the gate. Um, being a male in that field is quite a minority. So let's just say companies were um, eager to hire me, <laughs> I guess. So I graduated on like a Thursday and was at my new job on a Monday. It was a very quick turnaround. And about like two years into that, I was kind of looking around. I was like, oh shit, this is the next 40 years of my life if I don't do anything. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so I was like, I want to travel. I never, I was very busy during university. I worked uh, pretty nearly full time to help put myself through school. And I didn't really have a, a lot of those travel experiences that I've, you know, heard of other people having. And I was like, I, I really want to do something before I get too much older. What is the easiest way I can travel for more than a week and have somebody else pay for it? I started looking into it and it seemed that teaching English abroad was kind of the, the most reasonable ways, at least in my opinion, to do that. So I applied to a few companies, a handful, and I said, you know what, if, if somebody hires me, then I'll do it. Uh, if not, then maybe it wasn't meant to be and I'll just keep doing the next 40 years of my life, I guess is where <laughs> I was at at that point. I was sending out those applications around November, had some interviews in December, and I was in Japan in April. So that was also a quick turnaround. Oh, wow. Um, so I initially landed here to teach English, was going to just do it for a year because that's what those visas are for. I ended up wanting to renew and somebody at the time said, just check the box for three years. It's kind of like a lottery or at least it was at that oh, time. So okay. I checked that three-year box. Lo and behold, I got a three-year visa. I was like, oh, okay. During that time, I met my, my now wife. I got a spousal visa. Uh, and then that kind of rolled into a permanent residency. So yeah, I wanted to travel. I did once, and then I ended up not traveling very much anymore because <laughs> I've, I've just been in Japan the whole time. So I guess wow. I kind of got there, but I didn't. Wow. Sliding doors. You never know. I do still teach English from time to time as kind of like a supplement to my income and what I'm doing elsewhere across the interwebs. This, this is completely off, a different topic. I just remembered, um, I have not asked you about East Tokyo because mm -hmm. you just got back from that and it was what, yeah, like, last week. two or three day event. Yeah, last week. And because we're recording this, this is late April. Talk about a delayed uh -huh release we did our first part in december and here is april to do part two and and yeah you just got back from east tokyo met some other uh, bankless dao folk there yeah any highlights from that uh no it was a blast it was two events back to back it was dao tokyo and eth global tokyo they were originally going to be scheduled at different times but the dates got pushed together which was great because then you went to one one day uh which was dao tokyo and then the following three days were eth global tokyo it was nice. Like I had never been to any in-person.
in-person uh, industry conference before, or I mean like Web3 crypto kind of thing. And it was good. Uh, it was great, actually. Um, meeting some people from the DAO was fantastic. Uh, meeting the Bankless Japan crew, which I'm in Japan and I haven't actually ever talked to them up until we were planning for that event. So DAO Tokyo was great. Um, it was just, you know, more of talk about uh, about DAOs, obviously. And then ETH Global Tokyo was fantastic, but the whole time I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, <laughs> like I was just there well, to do some media coverage. Yeah. What well, stood I out just for you? like, what were the highlights? I highlights? have never been to a hackathon and it was just a fun experience seeing everybody just kind of like trying to figure out problems that they set for themselves just like that, that week, right? You know, we're going to try to build something right now. We have three days to do it or two and a half days to do it. Let's get it done. It very much kind of reminded me of, finals week in college like just sitting in the library or trying to find some space and just everybody else is kind of doing the same thing just with their heads down trying to get as much done before the deadline as possible but it was like being at the library and university it was kind of very communal in the same way not quite as noisy but mm -hmm. everybody's there doing the same thing working towards a similar goal even though their particular goal is somewhat different so yeah that was a lot of fun and then uh, a couple times people came up to me and were explaining what it was they were doing. And it was just like, whoosh. right over your head. It's like, I don't know. I just, I just take video and tell jokes, man. I don't know. And then they're, and then I kind of get like that awkward dog head tilt thing. Like they're confused. Like, then what are you doing here? <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun. I got to, I got to record some interviews. I got to eat some food. I got to chat with some people. Um, I got to put some faces to some web three names because you know, you, real and, and, and pseudonymous. So yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah. Uh, it was a great venue. Both venues were fantastic, especially Dow Tokyo. It's very representative of what you would think of Japan being like, I guess so was ETH global. Cause it was very much, you had the old and the new juxtaposed against each other within the two events. Um, it wasn't in that uh, temple. Yeah. Yeah. There was the first Dow Tokyo was in a shrine. And then ETH Global was in a uh, high rise. I guess it's a high rise. It was in a very tall building. We were only okay. on the fifth floor, but we were still in that building. <laughs> it's still a so, high rise, even and if I, you're on the first floor. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so I put up some, actually put up some pictures on the pink sink of those venues yes. kind of thing. So yeah. I think that's where I saw up. the pictures. Yeah. yeah. Nice photos. So yeah, it was great. It was a good experience for me. It was nice to be able to meet some people and, uh, would recommend. That's my Amazon review. Five stars. Would buy again. <laughs> would buy again. It's a free event. Buy again. Is it free to go? Uh, okay. So Dow Tokyo was a prepaid event, I believe. You had to buy tickets for that. ETH Global, uh, and I don't, I'm not sure if this is how all these ETH Global events run, but it, you had to put up a certain amount of collateral to enter, after which you would receive back. Oh, Okay. And um, while you were there, kind of everything else that was provided, like the mentorships, the foods, the space, that was kind of all, I guess, quote unquote, free. Um, again, I was not participating in the prize pool. There was like um, like $275,000 or $375,000 yeah, prize yeah, pool. a couple hundred grand, definitely. Yeah, it was quite large. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just, you know, getting stickers and eating little chicken burgers and taking videos. So that was kind of my <laughs> path there. <laughs> You know, I went to ETH Denver and it was kind of nice to wander around and just talk to people and just kind of see, see yeah. who's got the energy, it's where, like, where the booth activity is. Like a weird, it's like a weird high school reunion for people that you never went to school with. 
the way because it's like, oh, hey, hey, long time no see. But like, I haven't actually seen you before. But like, long time never see. Yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of people see each other annually at these events. So it, yeah, That's it is true. kind of like a reunion of sorts for people. So uh, it very much kind of had that vibe for me. And I'm sure if I go again next year, it'll be that squared kind of thing, plus one. Squared and plus one. Nice. Yeah, I was trying to, I didn't know which one I wanted to say, so I just said them both. Well, put your parentheses <laughs> in the right place so the math works out. Yeah. <laughs> Carry the two. Let's go. All right. We we covered everything, I think. You know, we talked about pink sink. I now know that this is literally a pink sink in your kitchen. Really more of a salmon color. But yes, you heard it here first. I'm excited about pink sink because... Again, that is me. It's kind of like a combination of it's a mishmash of stuff. It's it's like the photography. I'm going to do videos. I'm going to do gated content, more like video diary stuff. Does anybody still do video? I'm going to do a video diary type thing. Oh. And, you know, here's the thing. People say, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't. If you want to have a successful business, you got to you got to be putting out this, this here, there all the time. You got to do this kind of content. You got to have these kind of clickable links. You got to have these thumbnails. And at the end of the day, like, I don't fucking care because again, with that authenticity, I want to make the stuff that I want to make. And if people want to join me on that journey, they can. If they don't, that's fine. If they just want to stop by every month, that's okay too. But I'm not going to just put out a deluge of content just to try to get you to clicky clicky in the door. Um, and that's kind of what's excited to me about Pink Sync is this is just me making the stuff I want to make. And it's, it may be wacky at times. It may be like off brand at times. It may be out of left field, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's me. Right. So yeah, that's really exciting me right now. So if you'd like to join me on that journey, uh, please do. Uh, if it's not for you, that's fine as well. You know? So that's kind of where I'm going to be, I guess, putting in a majority of my time moving forward. And I'm just going to see what happens with that, what blossoms, where that takes me if I can continue to make those actions align with my values in that space. That space being my, my, my newsletter, <laughs> the pink sink. <laughs> All right. Well, Liquidiate, Alan, are you going by Liquidiate still? I noticed in uh, the BDAL uh, Discord server, you've, you've pulled Liquidiate off of there. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of rotated stuff over to Alan. But, um, people still know me as liquidity and that's fine if you if you yell out liquidity in a, in a crowd <laughs> my head will pop up <laughs> it was funny like at dow tokyo i met tessa from fight club oh, nice. and i introduced myself as alan and she's like, i don't know are you on a different handle I was like, I used to go by liquidity. Like, oh, liquidity. Yeah, I know you. I was like, okay, yeah. So it just depends. Um, I've tried to kind of, I don't know, like be a little more serious in a way. So I've switched a lot of my, I mean, my Discord root name is still liquidity, but I've changed my server name in a lot of places to Alan Bryce, but either is okay. All right, Alan. Well, thanks a lot. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on the show and I'm happy to know the origin of Pink Sync, and hopefully you'll be filling that Pink Sync with lots of uh, amazing and fun content for people to collect. Thank you so much. It's always a, a pleasure chatting with you, and thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks a lot, my friend. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This has been Making Bank, a production of Bankless DAO. If you'd like to learn more about Bankless DAO, please visit bankless.community on the web for more information and how to get started. 
And of course, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcast platform.